0: Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. And if you will, turn with us to 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 7, we begin there. How many of you remember the story and ever heard of the story of the ark of God when it was being carried Back into the city of David, and a man by the name of Uzzah touched it, and he died. How many of you remember the story? The way the scripture tells it is that there is, a well, the time when the presence of God would be associated with the Ark of God. For those of you who don't know and aren't familiar with it, the Ark of God was a box overlaid with gold. Inside that box were three items. It was manna, the rod of Aaron, and the tablets that God gave to Moses. And that ark would be in the most holy place of the temple of worship. And it would be placed into a curtained area called the most holy place. And then there was a holy place right next to that under the same tent. This is where the priests would come in and they would begin to worship and do the rituals. But this act of worship from the sacrifices to the laver where they washed their hands and feet, the priest that is, the whole thing was all based around the presence of God. And as long as they would continually worship God, then they would prosper. And where God has called them to or called them to be are all of their endeavors all of their endeavors all of their assignments all of their purpose they would be fulfilled as long as they kept god's presence in the center well it had been taken away a number of times the first time i can recall in my mind it's when eli had it the high priest and he had sons and they they took it from them the philistines came and robbed it stole it they knew that that was the israelites secret source and over a period of time they regained it back And they were bringing it from a man's house by the name of abinadab and this is where we find the scripture where they carried it on an ox cart being pulled by oxen and it hit a bump and one man by the name of uzzah stretched out to try to put it back in place and god struck him dead because there was a certain way that they were supposed to carry that box which was the representation of the presence of god And so this is where we find ourselves. Verse 7 says, and then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah. And God struck him there for his error. He died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. And he called the name of that place Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? Because David needed it. He knew it. He knew the secret to their success in the kingdom was going to be having the presence of God or what was the representation of it. So David would not move the ark with him into the city of David. But David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Everyone say the Gittite. Now, if you don't know history very well, then... as far as what, who the Gittites were, then, then you miss the important part of this scripture because a Gittite was someone who was a Philistine. When David killed Goliath, Goliath was a Gittite, part of the Philistine family, city. And you may ask yourself, what in the world was King David a Jew doing putting the ark in the house of a gentile. I'll tell you the story in just a moment. But once he was there for 3 months, verse 11, the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-edom the Gittite 3 months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-edom and his all of his household. He blessed him. Now how do you know when someone is blessed? There's different ways to know the blessings of God in someone's life. One way is to see a manifestation of it. Another way is to see their disposition. You ever seen somebody that they were just sad and distraught, angry, depressed and they were a Christian or supposedly to supposedly a believer? And if you were sad and depressed, would you feel like going out and telling everybody you were blessed? Or would you think anyone else would think you were blessed? So there are different ways to tell. Now, a lot of people think it's just by what you have on. Because you can look blessed but not be good, right? We've all learned how to look blessed and look good. But there's more to the blessings of God and the favor of God. But for Obed-Edom, everything in his house, his whole household, his family, his children, his stock, everything was blessed. Not only was he blessed, but everyone saw it. Now it was told King David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him, all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of the God from the house of Obed-Edom to the house to the city of David with gladness. We're just going to title this the house of Obed-Edom, and we're going to be talking about and continuing the thought of making room for God's presence. More than anything right now, what we need and where we're going, it's all going to encompass Around one thing. We need the presence of God and we are going to pursue it. And it's not in church alone. The hour and the day that we are living in, the reason why we went into this semester to talk about making room for God's presence is because we understand the most valuable thing in this world above what you can see above what you can taste above what you can hear above what you can experience is that in the things that you cannot see is the things that sometimes you can't hear but experience in his presence god is real his presence is real his spirit is real and he's the only one that can make a real difference Will you make this your prayer right now and say, Lord Jesus, help us understand how to bring Your presence into our homes like Obededom, and help us to embrace it, help us to steward it, and help us to learn how to see it flow in our lives in Jesus' name. We pray, and everybody say, Amen. One more time, can you just honor God by giving Him a strong hand clap because He is well deserving of it? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Turn around to somebody and tell them you're blessed and you're highly favored. I don't know if you know that or not, but you are blessed. And you can be seated. Thank you for being here. I want to take my time, but I want to only slow down just to explain this. Um, I don't really expect anybody to get excited about this message, but I would love for you to just simply give me your attention and hear the point. I'm only going to give you one point today. But I do that in hopes that you can remember that one point. And before I do that, I simply want to give a kind of an explanation and extract the thought from this scripture and the text of the scripture. I'm going to begin by saying what's interesting to me is that God put the ark in a Gentile's home. How did that come to be? How did that happen? Now, when I did the study and I began to look at the context of the person named Obididim, there were many men named Obididim. There were some that were, there was one that was described, Obididum was a common name, but he was described, he was described as a Levite, another as a musician, another as a gatekeeper. And so there's belief that this individual who had taken the name Obedidim, was one of the 600 that chose to follow David while he was in exile and fleeing for his life. At one point in his life, when Absalom, the son of David, was after him and tried to take the throne from him, David fled for his life and went to live with the Gittites. He lived with the Philistines, and while he was hiding there, he had gained favor with hundreds of them, and then when he went back to his throne, there were 600, according to the scripture, Gittites that followed him. Not only did they follow him, they became worshipers of God and dropped their pagan beliefs. But they were loyal to David, and they were also worshipers of God. But they were Gentile, not Jew. So when the scripture begins to identify obed the Gittite, very specific, the Gentile, it makes sense now where he came from. Most scholars do believe that he was one of the 600 that had actually come with David and had settled in and David trusted him. But when that ark went to his home, I want you to keep this in mind. It was in somebody else's home before obed It was in the house of a man named Abinadab. When you read the Bible, the ark of God was in the house of Abinadab for over 20 years. 20 years. But the scripture never said anything about his house being blessed. There are others who stewarded the ark and they lost it like Eli and his sons, the high priest. They lost the Ark of God. The Philistines came and took that. But when it was regained and it was put into the house of Abinadab, and after those 20-something years of being in his household, there was never any type of description or anything that would give an indication that Abinadab was blessed. In fact, when you do the study about Obed-Edom, it... It shows us that while the ark was there, after that time in his home, when it says everything in his household was blessed, the scripture also says that he God had given him eight boys. He had eight children that were born to him during that time frame afterwards because God had blessed him. But you know what the irony of this story is? You know the man by the name of Uzzah? who touched the ark when it was going to come off the cart and God struck him dead? Do you know who his father was? His father was Abinadab. And what it tells me is how they treated the presence of God. And it became common and someone of the household of Abinadab, they may have started off reverencing God, but somehow to me, history tells me this is just my guess that it became common. And so much that no one followed the rules, no one followed the instruction to how to carry that ark into the city of David, until David went back and looked at the Chronicles. And David began to study, and he began to put in order and put into motion that the Levites should carry them upon the presence of God upon their shoulders, and they should walk it in to the city of David. But there was something else that David added to that. But David had to come and fix it and do it right, but when I believe this, and, and this is just my thought, you pray about it. There was something in the heart of Uzzah that he looked at that ark and didn't consider to reverence it. Could it be because he was in a house that didn't reverence the presence of God? And he treated it like a box and looked at it as a historical, monumental kind of artifact? that didn't represent nothing but history in the sense of, because here's what can happen to us. I know this can happen to all of us. How many of you have been in church for a while now? I mean, for years, at least over 10. And how many of you understand that if we're not careful, you can lose your freshness and your desire and your passion for God very easily. And how many of you know that when you first had an encounter with God, it changed your life. And your mindset was different. And you were in awe of the things of God. But somehow, way, over time, we become relaxed and take it common. And then coming to church is now drudgery. And now it's just the flesh wins many, many times. And now the slightest thing can throw you off course. And then we forget the principles and the precepts. Why? Because we're human. Because we're human. God knew he had to establish a way to carry his presence for us not to forget and to me If God struck a man down because he took the box or the ark, or what was supposed to be the presence of God and representation, common, and he had to make an example of it. Then he had to, and he had no choice because that was the representation of a holy God. And just because... You don't see miracles, signs, and wonders, and you don't see the cloud that went by day and the fire by night, and you don't see the smoke and the glory of God as it was in the temple the first time, in that tabernacle the first time. It doesn't mean that God's dead or God's not alive. The indication for knowing how powerful God was was the moment he touched the ark. It's like electricity. Have any of you ever been shocked before by electricity? I don't know if you've ever been shocked by electricity before, but it is the weirdest feeling. Like this thing, a wire can totally be just look like it's dead, and you don't know if it is until you touch it. Once you touch that bad boy, don't let it grab a hold of you. It'll, It'll rock your world. A lot of people think that God isn't around because God's not moving, but it's not until you encounter his presence by faith and begin to reach out to him that you realize that God is alive. He's real. He's there. But if we're not careful, we can take it for granted and not reach out anymore. I don't think it was a sin of him trying to reach out. I just think it was the principle of him touching God in the wrong way. There was a way that they were supposed to approach God at that time. They were in a wrong dispensation, but now we can enter into the presence of God freely because we have been forgiven and redeemed by the blood, and, and we're living in a totally different time now. And, and we're, not, we're not worshiping God out of a box, but we are worshiping God in spirit and in truth. But I want you to think about this. This is almost like a typology if you really look at this that Abinadab representing the Jewish nation had the presence of God but took it for granted but it wasn't until God put it into the house of a Gentile. A guy that did not have it before and did not have the privilege of having it now the presence of God was given to them. And what tells me that he did something different was the proof that everyone saw his house was blessed and everything he touched. Blessings manifest themselves, but I'm not in it to for the blessings. I'm in it because I love him, right? But because I love him, he manifests things in my life. And there is more than just things. There are things that you can't see. Things that you can't pinpoint, things that you don't understand, one of them is peace of mind. One of them is a sound mind. One of them is faith. One of them is strength. One of them is love. Another is joy. Another is temperance. Another would be gentleness and kindness. How many of you know that God is love and that's the most powerful attribute that you can have in your life? But it's not going to stop us anymore from getting what we need from God because Jesus paid the price. So God has spared his life, our life, through sparing and giving his son. By not sparing his son, by giving him to us. That's we can take for granted. It becomes common. See, like right now, right now what I can do, I can tell all of you, I can show you how we can tap into the presence of God very fast, very quick. If everybody did this one thing, if I said, okay, um, I want you just to close your eyes, and I want you just to begin to just think on God and get all of your thoughts out of your mind, forget about your worries, and just think about him, and let's start talking to him and loving on him. And if I can get whoever is in this room to agree with me, it just, even just one other person, even just two other people, I can tell you that where two or three are gathered in his name, he will be right there. And we could enter into his presence easily by getting focused. But it wasn't that way then. They had to go through the rituals of worship. So when David went to get it back, I promise you, I, I believe this with all of my heart, when he heard that the house of obed the Gentile the Gittite was being blessed I promise you the king inquired and wanted to know what did you do different Any one of you would have done the same thing If you and I had the same business plan had the same amount of money to invest and you made a million and I went broke I'm going to go up to you and find you and ask you, "How did you do it? What did you do different than what I did?" You're curious, right? You want to know, "What did you do different than I did, than than, than me?" The one thing that the Scripture tells us that David found how to carry the presence of God through the Levitical through the Levitical priesthood, but it also says that David went there as a priest just wearing the linen ephod and David began to worship in front of it and offer sacrifice and offering i want to show you this really quickly i want you to turn to second samuel chapter 6 now it was told david saying the lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all the things that belonged to him because of the ark and it go down further where it says verse 16 Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through the window and saw David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in the place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected. See, he was trying to set the old system back up. He knew the word of the Lord. He set up the tent. He set up the tabernacle. And now he began to bring it in like God had told him. He realigned himself. Sometimes all we have to do in life is just learn to stop and take God's commandments and read his word and get lined up with the word again. Just to be back in the will of God. Because we know what to do. Someone said it like this. When you don't know what to do, you know what to do. Sometimes it's just a, mean, a moment of stopping, slowing down, thinking things through, and say, okay, this is what we have to do. No different. David did that. But when David began to do and transition the, the ark in, he began to offer sacrifices, he began to slaughter the animals, burnt offerings, peace offerings he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he began to dance and worship. I don't know what they think or what they were thinking at that time when they saw David. But I know one thing, David didn't care. So let me show you this, this first one. This is Uzzah, and Uzzah touches it, and he dies. And he said as an example, but this is what most other artists have written and and drawn out concerning the house of Obed-Edom. They said that it looks something like this, and put this next one up there, if you don't mind. And and they showed a picture of Obed-Edom worshiping the ark, worshiping or giving it reverence. I don't know if that's what happened, but this is what most people believe. Because point number one is... God was meant to be worshiped. God was meant to be worshiped. If it was in somebody's house, I don't think it had to be anything particularly different about being in a house. It's not what the house looks like, but it's what's in the house and the actions that take place in that house that makes it different from everything else. But when that ark was in Obadiah's house, something told me, a Gentile thought and thought to himself, my God, what a privilege, what an honor, what a blessing. I mean, that should be our attitude right now, right? Because we weren't supposed to have God in our life. We were supposed to stay worshiping idols, but somehow, way, God says, I'm going to pour my spirit out on a." angel who doesn't call me god and i'll put my spirit in them and they'll be my people and i'll be their god and that's who you and i are so you and i need to wake up and realize and drop the ego and drop the pride and drop the arrogance and get humbled in the presence of god and realize we shouldn't be here but god but god said put it in their house Put it in the Gentiles' house. Put it in there because there's going to be appreciation. There's going to be gladness of heart. You ever wondered why God saved some of the craziest people in the world, or was that you? I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not the guy that deserves to be up here. I was one of the most awkward ones in my family. No, not, not awkward. Let me rephrase that. I was one of the most spoiled, rotten, arrogant, wild siblings out of all my brothers and sisters, other than my sister, but all of my brothers. I've got friends even today that have said, I can't can't believe Bobby is a pastor. And if I hear it, I would say amen, because I can't believe it either. I didn't choose to be a pastor i wanted to do other things with my life but god saved me all i knew was idol worship that's all i knew i don't know what your story is like i don't know where you come from but i know where i came from i worshiped idols i was part of a false religion of a denomination that talked to a lady and believed that she could forgive and only one can forgive, and that's Jesus Christ. I'm not knocking anybody. I'm telling you where I came from. I didn't know the Bible. I didn't understand it. But I will tell you that one day, God trusted me enough, had favor in me, and he was merciful enough to put his presence inside of me. And when he did it, something inside clicked, and something told me I didn't deserve it, but he did it anyways. And as I began to worship that presence that's in my life like all of you have done something began to transpire in my life it's like my relationships got better it's like i became a better daddy i became a better husband i became a better coworker. i became a better boss i became a better leader i wasn't trying to do nothing but i had an appreciation for what i had in my life i think that's what happened to obedeem i think obedeem said you know what This is a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I'm going to take advantage of it. We're going to worship God. I'm going to bow down before him. We're going to keep everything in this house pure, and we're just going to make sure that we're going to live for God in this moment in time. I don't know how long it's going to last, but while he's here, let's make the best of it. The scripture says it stayed in Obed-Edom's house for only three months. And during that three months, it was enough to stay there where everyone knew Obadiah's blessed. Things have changed. He's not the same person. God has blessed all his household. That means everybody and everything that was in it, God blessed. Something happened in that home. And the only thing I can figure and stand on is the fact that Obadiah worshiped that's the defining difference but if us as Gentiles want to sit on God he is not going to provoke you except through somebody else that you know that has the same ability you've got and you have the same God that they have and you watch them blessed and you watch them happy and you watch their children prosper and you watch their children filled with God and you see peace in their home and if you want to know the difference why it isn't happening for you, you need to ask them, what do you do? And I promise you, it's going to be evolved, it's going to evolve around worship. Worship. A family that worships together stays together. A family that prays together stays together. A house that honors God, God honors that house. And you and I, like obed were Gentiles. It was in the house of the Jew for 20-something years. Yeah. Then God gave his spirit to the Gentile nation. And they appreciated it. And they didn't take it for granted. And they stewarded it right. And they began to worship. And once David knew watch this here's the depiction of david look at this slide right here this is what some have drawn david now i don't even know if i can do that move yeah. right what would you do if you saw me on the road right what if you what would you do if you came to church one day and i was on the top this platform started dancing all over the place what would you do if god moved on you and you started dancing what if he took you out into the streets and you started doing it i'm just saying there's just something about the presence of god and gratitude that comes into your life that changes you and makes you do things that you wouldn't normally do now i'm being i'm being a little sarcastic and i'm just being a little bit you know hypothetical but the truth is this man was a king and this king understood If we don't worship, where did he get the worship from and the dance from? The expression of worship, where did he get it from? He sacrificed. He he, he sacrificed animals every six paces. Every six paces he sacrificed. But he would dance and worship. Something tells me someone shared something with him about a secret the secret is worship what did you do or what do you do i want to know how did your house get blessed what did you and your family do while it was there how come you only had it for three months but Benadab had it for 20 and nothing like this ever happened worship we didn't take it for granted We know we shouldn't have it, but God gave it to us anyways. And while we got it, we're going to recognize it, and we're going to do the best that we can with it to steward it. See, if you and I wake up, we realize it's common to us now because you were probably raised in this. Maybe you weren't raised in it, but maybe you've you've gone long enough to church where church has become very common. But the presence of God should never be common. And maybe the presence of God has become common to us. Or we stop praying and stop worshiping. But what if we renewed our faith and woke up and said, God was meant to be worshiped. And I'm going to kick every idol out of my life. I'm going to take every idol that's in my home and I'm going to get rid of it because We're going to bring the presence of God in our home, and we're going to bring an altar of sacrifice into our home, and we're going to bring the family together in our home. and we're going to celebrate it. We're going to celebrate it and be like David where we're not ashamed of what people think about us and we're going to honor God and I don't care what everybody else is doing and I don't care if I don't have the right verbiage and I don't care if I understand the culture or not. We are going to worship God and I'm not going to agree with everybody because I'm scared and I'm afraid I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings. We're going to worship God. We're going to put God first and I've I've got to get rid of some things because because it's going to be offensive to God, not people, but God, then that's just what we're going to have to do. And as for me and my house, we're going to try to do it every day, every day, every single day of our life. This life is too short not to worship God, but you can live under an open heaven. I believe that's what happened to the house of Obadiah. God was there but the worship is what opened up the atmosphere for the heavens to pour down blessings, not enough room to contain. I wonder what would happen, and here's the challenge, I wonder what would happen if every house and every family and every father, every dad, it doesn't matter how old you are and how old your children are, it's never too late for God to fix problems and reconcile relationships and begin to build your house again, but I wonder what would happen if God would move on every daddy, every husband and we became worshipers of God and we began to honor God and we began to bring our family together well you're probably thinking well we don't have the box guess what God did not want his presence to be in a box he wanted it to be in your heart You are the carrier of the presence of God now. And how you carry his presence will determine how the atmosphere will begin to alter and to change. Some atmospheres are bound. Some houses have a cloud of depression. Some houses have fear, anxiety. But your house should be a house of freedom a house of worship a house of liberty and a house where god's spirit is known and i promise you if you'll be consistent and begin to honor god and not take him for granted and pursue after his presence everything in your house is going to begin to change you won't have to try so hard to raise your children the spirit of god will come upon them and they'll feel the holy ghost in their life your marriage won't end up in divorce or you won't feel like they're conflict every week not when the presence of God is primarily the focus in your home everything in your house should be blessed everyone in your home should be blessed how many of you want your children and your marriages to be saturated with the presence of God in your life that's what our mission is our mission we are after God is after your family How do I know that? How do I know as a pastor, God is after your family? I'll tell you the indication. Everything the devil does is a tattletale from what God is after himself. Everything the devil has been doing for ages after ages is an indication of what's important to God because that's his way of going after God because he is no match for the living God. I want to be very transparent with you and tell you that we don't need to go any further but our own world and look at history. Hell knows that it probably can't get the parents, but it can get the children. There's an old saying, and I hope I get it right, that went, if you can, if you can get the government, control the government, you can control the education. And if you can control the education, you can control the teachings and the doctrine. If you can control the doctrine and the ideologies, then you can begin to control and teach the children. And if but if you can teach the children and you begin to indoctrinate them, then the children, then you'll learn how to I don't dictate. Know who your child and is. It started a long time ago when they took the Bible out of schools and prayer out of schools. And, and I'm gonna say something else. And they started teaching against, you, don't get mad at me. Well, you can if you want to, I don't care, but when people became afraid to spank their children and discipline their children for the wrong. I'm not talking about beating, I'm talking about a loving discipline of action over consequences. When all those principles were taken out, parents became prisoners of the culture. And when the children were taught to be hip to the culture or accept the culture while the parents aren't teaching anything at home but putting them in front of the television, they just got your family. And they took our children in front of us while we were watching them do it. Now we're dealing with uprises, identity crises, weird ideologies. People can't figure out what they are because the parents, no parent took the lead to help them find out what they were. Most parents now will say, be yourself, find yourself, be happy, do what makes you happy and whatever else. Instead of, hey, here's a better way. God's word says this about you and this is what the scripture says and look if you want to know he's real let's come together let me pray for you and let's pray together and invite the presence of God you know everything in the scripture when God was trying to save Israel and reach out to them you know what the Lord's told them in Deuteronomy he said teach your children these statutes put them in your home hang them at your doorpost put them all over the place and teach your children and train up a child in the way they should go and when they grow old They won't depart from it. But now we have dropped it, and now we're depending on everyone else to raise our children. And I'm simply telling you here this Sunday morning, God is after our families, and it's not too late. But we've got to bring the presence of God back in our house and not take it for granted. And we have to start leading our families and leading our marriages and leading our grandchildren. I'm telling you, if what you allow in one generation, what parents allow in moderation, children do in excess... You allow a little bit into your life. Children look at that and say, that's a gateway. I'm going to go hog wild over it. But how many times have we been examples of the presence of God since we're a carrier of the presence of God? When's the last time that you took your spouse and took your children and gathered them together and say, we're going to seek God right now and we're going to ask God to touch us and we're going to pray a blessing over you today and we're going to agree and honor God here in this house because we weren't deserving of it. But God, the king said, I want to put my presence in their home. If God put his presence in the house of Obedidim, who are you and I who God would not put the presence and his favor and his goodness and his blessings in our family more than Obedidim because you and I have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. We've been- I I don't care who you are. Everybody, Jesus died for your sins and gave you permission to worship and to put him number one in your life. Things will begin to change. And if you don't know what needs to be changed it's because you've never been in a place spiritually to tell the difference. There's some people that think that they've reached the pinnacle of blessing than you have not. There's so much more There's so much more for you to experience. There's so much God for eternity. We're going to live with Him and we're never going to find the end of Him. He's going to keep on showing us. He's going to keep on letting us experience Him. I bet you, I know that in heaven, there are colors we haven't seen. There are things we have never tasted. There are fragrances we haven't even smelled. There are things that we're going to see. There are lives that we're going to live. We're going to have eternity with Him and it's never going to end because God. God never ends. So why would we limit God right now in this space and time? You know what it's time for us to do? Come on, Haley. It's time for us to make up our minds and say, we're going to worship and steward the presence of God. Here's what I want to leave with you. How we steward his presence will determine our success in our life. What we need is mamas and daddies, husbands and wives to start honoring God and being grateful and not take his presence for granted. We can become so comfortable by coming to church every single week and thinking that's it. That's not it. God doesn't want you just to come to church once a week or twice a week. God wants to live with you. He wants to spark a fire in your home. He wants a revival to break out in your home that you're leading because of your hunger and your desire. But if you allow pride to get a hold of you and you allow your own self to say, I'm not qualified. I've messed up so much. I've been a bad example. Then you're never going to see it. But if you'll be able to stand up confidently and say, you know what? I may have made some mistakes, but God has forgiven me. And I've asked for forgiveness, and his grace and mercy covers me, and I'm gonna pursue after him. Yesterday's gone, today's a new day. The mercies of the Lord are renewed every single morning, and I'm gonna get up today. Hey guys, hey guys, listen, let's just do what we're supposed to do here today. Let's just pray together. Will you stand to your feet? And I wish that every husband and wife would join together. If you're here with your family, get out of, get out of the row and, and, and do a circle right now and make this a commitment, a moment in time when you're going to say we're going to bring the presence of God into our homes and we're going to watch God reign we're going to stop just going through the routines of religion and coming to church sitting down there we're going to stop going through the same old thing every single week waiting for Sunday get ready in the morning maybe have a light breakfast get ready come to church then leave then eat again then go to bed then have fun and then repeating the process all over again becoming weary throughout the week and working and then waiting for the week and repeating it again, waking up like breakfast, go to church, come back, eat again, go to bed. Life is more than routine. God wants. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.